1: Space and time travel, science and technology, brought to you by theoretical physicist, futurist, popularizer of science, and world-renowned author, Professor Michio Kaku, and GCNlive.com. This is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. On Science Fantastic, we profile the amazing, jaw-dropping scientific discoveries which are revolutionizing our world and touching our lives. And in this hour, once again, we're going to throw the lines open because this hour is your hour. This is the time when you can get on radio. This is the time when you can ask that question that's always been bugging you about this great world of ours. The number to call is 612-564-8135 and when you call that number you'll hear, hear recording and leave your name the call letters of the radio station you're listening to, and the city you're calling from, and hey, maybe your thoughts will be heard on national radio. So once again, the number to call is 612-564-8135. And many times people email me and say, Professor, I'm kind of shy. I mean, I have a question, but it's kind of dumb. And I feel embarrassed talking about it on national radio. Well, my attitude is this. If you have a question, no matter how dumb it may seem, chances are thousands of other people have exactly that same dumb question. And so why not ask? Because other people have the same concerns. And sometimes the dumbest questions are the most profound of all. I point to the fact that years ago, there was a 16-year-old boy who asked himself a simple question, can you outrace a light beam? such a simple question but he didn't know the answer when he talked to other people they didn't he couldn't get any response from his professors and so he spent the next 10 years from age 16 to age 26 until he finally found the answer to the simple question can you outrace a light beam and the answer is no, because the speed of light is the ultimate velocity in the universe. Well, that 16-year-old boy had a name, Albert Einstein, and he went on to revolutionize modern history. Think about it. The atomic bomb, nuclear reactors, not to mention television, lasers, the wonders of modern electronics, all of them essentially came out of a young boy asking a dumb question, can you outrace a light beam? And that's why you should call 612-564-8135. But some of you email me and say that well, you're too embarrassed to have your questions uh, heard on air, you'd rather simply email me the questions. So today I'm going to Answer the email questions that I get online because some of you are simply too embarrassed to ask the question yourself. And also, I should point out that you should go to my website if you want to find out more about what I do. In fact, I could be coming to a city next to you signing your copy of my latest bestseller, The Future of Humanity. Go to mkaku.org, m k a k u.org. It has a complete list of the cities I'll be speaking in, and maybe I'll be signing your copy of my latest bestseller, The Future of Humanity. I've written four New York Times bestsellers. The Physics of the Impossible, talking about starships, time machines, teleportation. The Physics of the Future, talking about the next 100 years in robots, artificial intelligence, medicine. The Future of the Mind, talking about telepathy, telekinesis, and all the things we can do to record memories, sensations, and feelings, which may one day revolutionize the Internet itself. And on Facebook, I have... 3 million fans on Facebook, 600,000 fans on Twitter, and you can join these individuals as well. But once again, in this hour, we're going to answer some of the email questions that I get. For example, how do you talk to dead people? You see them on television. Yes, it's convincing. Yes, at the end of the session, people break down and cry. It's dramatic TV. And people say, Yes, you've talked to my dead relatives and you've finally given me closure. How does it work? How do you talk to dead people on television? And for that matter, can you leave your body? Out-of-body experiences, many people say they've had them. Even a Nobel Prize winner, Richard Feynman, went into an isolation chamber to induce out-of-body experience. Now we can do it. And what is the basis, scientific basis, of of out-of-body experience? And then a lot of people email me the question, which do you prefer most? Star Wars or Star Trek? Well, I'll answer that question in a moment. First of all, I like both of them, but I like them for different reasons. So we'll talk about Star Wars and Star Trek, and then we'll say a few things about medicine. Many people email me and say, Professor, cancer, when are we going to find a cure for cancer? And what's the problem? How come cancer is so different from all the other diseases that have been cancered? Can't conquered. And so these are some of the questions that we'll be answering in today's Science Fantastic. Well, the first question I often get is, well, you see them on television. People on TV claim to do all sorts of miraculous things, including talking to dead people. And by golly, it seems to work. They seem to be able to understand the person who died recently, talk to that person, and give closure to the people that come on national television and then cry, cry, and cry after the dead person says, I forgive you. How does that work? And is it possible to leave your body in an out-of-body experience? What do scientists say about this? Well, first of all, I open the possibility that, well, yeah, maybe they do really talk to dead people. You can't rule it out. However, there are other ways to look at it as well. I have a friend of mine from the Skeptic Society, And he says, all this is nonsense, and he actually does talk to dead people himself. Yes, he will actually go to parties, and on demand, he will then begin to talk to dead people. And he doesn't believe that it's real at all. He's a skeptic, but he does it in such a convincing way that he's been on television talking about how to talk to dead people. Well, first of all, how does it work? Well, if you ever watched the videotape of how it works, you realize that many times the person on TV asks lots of questions. Lots of leading questions like the name, uh, what the person liked, and very simple questions that have simple answers. Many, many of the times the guesses he makes are wrong. You don't remember the incorrectness. However, when there's a hit... When the person says, yes, that person's name was George, yes, it was my father, yes, he died before he could do this or this or this, you remember the hits. You don't remember the misses. So that's the first technique that they use uh, to convince people that they can talk to dead people. They do a fishing operation. And the misses you forget, unless you tape record the session. When you tape record the session, then you realize that most of the times, the questions elicit incorrect answers. But the hits, you begin to remember. And then the person begins to ask simple things that, well, everybody engages in. Things that all of us could be responsible for. Simple questions that are bound to evoke a yes or no answer. So this process goes on and on and on. Therefore, you lead the person until finally at the end of the session, you say that you've talked to the dead person and that person forgives you. At that point, you have this tremendous TV moment. People break down and cry and cry and cry. Because you see, these people who want to ask this question to their dead relatives, they want something. They want closure. And that's what the TV personality gives them. For better or worse, whether it's true or not, he gives them what they want. And that's why they break down and cry at the end. Well, let's take a short commercial break, and after the break, I'll continue answering some of the emails that I get, including out-of-body experiences. How do you explain that? And then, which do I prefer, Star Wars or Star Trek? You are listening to Science Fantastic. Give us a call at
0: 612-564-8135. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur Dex for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. February is Heart Month. And every year, Extendivite has a sale. This
3: year is no different. Extendivite is regularly sixty-nine ninety-five plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only fifty-seven fifty for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle.
1: Professor Michio Kaku, this is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. In this hour, we're going to answer your emails rather than take your listener phone calls. Quite a few of you email me and say that, well, you're too embarrassed to have your thoughts heard on air. You'd rather simply write the question down and have them answered on air. And that's what we're doing today. So, previously, we talked about how to talk to dead people. If you tape record a session of a person on television talking to dead people, then replay it slowly. You, too, can begin to learn the tricks of the trade. Now, that doesn't mean that these people are liars. Maybe they do. I leave open the possibility that maybe they do talk to dead people. But... I think there's also an alternate point of view as well and I have a friend of mine of the Septic Society who actually will talk to dead people at parties and at the end of the session people break down and cry and are convinced that he's actually talked to dead people and he tells me that there are lessons tricks of the trade that have been handed down from generation to generation and then I asked him a question once these people on television who claim to talk to dead people, do they really believe it? Do they think that they are charlatans and liars and cheats? Or do they really believe that they have done it? Well, I leave open the possibility that maybe they really believe it. Maybe they really do believe that they have accessed the netherworld and talked to dead people and all they are is a vessel, a vessel that allows them to communicate with the afterworld. Well, I don't know. All I know is that there are tricks of the trade handed down from generation to generation about how to do what are called cold readings, that is, from scratch. Recreate knowledge that seems to come from nowhere, but actually came from the questions you asked the person who is asking these questions. Okay, well, let's now move on to out-of-body experiences. Many people have had it. In fact, Richard Feynman, winner of the Nobel Prize, actually put himself in an isolation chamber to try to get an out-of-body experience. And he was successful. Yes, he did believe that he actually left his body and saw his body from a distance inside that isolation chamber. But afterwards, he said something important. Afterwards, he said, I didn't see any violation of the laws of physics. In other words... It was an illusion. But how does that illusion take place? Well, in my book, The Future of the Mind, I actually go to Germany where we talk to scientists who can induce this effect at will. We have epileptics, epileptics that have to have portions of their skull removed, and then scientists then begin to probe the surface of the brain with electrodes. This doesn't hurt. Believe it or not, the brain has no pain sensors, so you can literally remove a huge chunk of the skull, and the person is conscious during that process. Then what you do is you stimulate two lobes of the brain simultaneously. One lobe of the brain dealing with hearing, another part of the brain dealing with eyesight, for example, And you stimulate these two lobes of the brain simultaneously. And then what the person says is, he has an out-of-body experience. In other words, there's a contradiction that the brain cannot resolve. The brain is confused. One part of the brain is stimulated, eyesight. The other part of the brain, hearing, is stimulated simultaneously. And that's how you induce out-of-body experience. Scientists who did this in Germany said that this probably happens in car accidents. It probably happens when you're injured. It probably happens when you're, for example, knocked unconscious or have uh, some kind of brain injury. The brain gets confused because it's being stimulated in ways that don't seem to make any sense. But the brain, of course, tries to make sense of everything. The brain never tries to simply walk away confused. So the brain concocts a story, and that story is that you are literally leaving your body. And so this effect, if you actually analyze people that have had it, usually are associated with lack of oxygen, like in a fire or in an accident. People do not have out-of-body experiences out of nowhere. It happens when the brain is injured or under stress, And the thinking is that several parts of the brain are stimulated simultaneously. The brain gets confused and tries to make sense of it, and that's where out-of-body experiences come from. Well, I have another set of questions coming in about cancer. Most of us realize that cancer is the second leading cause of death in the United States after heart attacks and problems with the cardiovascular system. So, cancer is on many people's agenda, but the question is, why can't we cure it? What's the problem? Well, back in the 1970s, it was President Richard Nixon who declared a war on cancer. He said that with antibiotics, we've cured so many diseases, diseases that have been with us since medieval times and before, well... Cancer is the next disease to be conquered. And he allocated millions of dollars back in the 1970s to cure cancer. A war on cancer, he declared. Well, many critics have said that, yes, it was a war on cancer, but guess who won? Cancer won, science lost. And why is that? Well, we now know that cancer is a disease of our genes. It can be caused by viruses. Caused by chemicals, caused by stress, radiation, many things can cause cancer. But what triggers the cancer? A defect in our genes. That's what causes cancers to become immortal. Cancer cells lose the ability to die. They simply keep on reproducing themselves. And as a consequence, they are immortal. And because they're immortal, they form a tumor. And the tumor actually then kills you. That's why cancer is so dangerous, because it's a genetic disease. And back in the 1970s, we were clueless, absolutely clueless, as to the mechanisms of our genes. Now we have the Human Genome Project. And now we realize that cancer is not one disease at all. It's many diseases, in fact, thousands of diseases because there are many ways in which a cell can lose the ability to die. They become immortal and form a tumor which then kills you. So that's why we don't have a cure for cancer because it's not one disease at all. It's thousands of different kinds of diseases. However, there are patterns in these diseases. For example, about 50 percent of common cancers are linked to a genetic defect in one gene, P53. So if you, in principle, could cure one gene, you could, in principle, cure half of all common cancers. But what's the catch? Well, the catch is that Gene therapy is in its primitive form at the present time. We do not have the ability to simply repair the broken gene called p53, which in turn is involved with 50% of all common cancers. Now, personally, let me stick my neck out. Personally, I'll make a prediction. Personally, I predict that perhaps we will never have a single simple cure for cancer. Because look at the common cold. How many varieties of the common cold are there? Well, maybe about 300. There are 300 different kinds of rhinoviruses which can make you sick. However, why don't we cure them? Can we cure all 300? Well, in principle, yes. In principle, we can create a vaccine which will inoculate you against all 300 different varieties of the common cold. But is too expensive, too time-consuming, and ultimately counterproductive. That's why we don't do it. Now, there are not 300, but thousands of versions of cancers, because there are many ways in which you can mutate the genes which control the reproductive process. So at some point doctors may simply throw their hands in the air and say, yes, in principle, we can cure all cancers. But in practice, it's simply not worth it. It's too expensive, and we'll learn to live with it. We learn to live with the common cold. And I predict that in the future, we will in fact cure many forms of cancer. But all of them? Probably not. We'll simply live with cancer cancer is not going to be the dreaded disease that it is today that is fatal in many a situation no cancer may eventually become like the common cold well let's take another short commercial break because you are listening to science fantastic give us a call the hotline number is 612-564-8135 GCN. Visit gcnlive.com today.
5: USA news update. Israel anticipated to launch an invasion of Rafah, the largest refugee camp in Gaza for displaced Palestinians. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has instructed the military to ready for civilian evacuations in the city. President Biden responding to a Department of Justice report that cites lapses in memory noted by special counsel investigators who had interviewed him earlier about classified documents. I'm
6: well-meaning and I'm an elderly man and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president and I put this country back on its feet I don't need his recommendation. In
5: their report, the officials said the president appeared to have a difficult time recalling the timeline of his son Bo's death and didn't recall his time as vice president very well either. The combination of Midwest, tornadoes, and February is unusual, but this week breaks the norm. Severe storms led to the issuance of the first ever February tornado warnings in Wisconsin on Thursday. John Schaefer, USA News.
1: Brought to you by Professor Michio Kaku. This is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. In this hour, we're going to answer your questions that you email me. That's right. You can either call me at 612-564-8135 or go to my website, mkaku.org, MKAKU.org, and maybe you can get on Science Fantastic. Well, I get a lot of emails. Uh, one set of emails I get is about cancer. Why can't we simply cure cancer? Because it's not one disease at all. It's perhaps thousands of different kinds of diseases. And one day we will, in fact, cure many varieties of cancer. For example, if we can repair the breaks in a gene called p53, we can cure 50% of all common cancers. So what's the catch? The catch is that gene therapy is not yet advanced enough to cure all the ways in which the gene p53 can be mutated. However, you've probably also seen advertisements for stem cell technology. And people say, well, is that the magic bullet? Is that the way we're going to be able to create new tissues that wear out and create new bodies? What about people who are going blind? What about people that have lost a limb? Why can't we use stem cells to revolutionize medicine? Well, let me be very clear about this. A lot of the advertisements you see concerning stem cells, I think, and this is a personal opinion, I think are probably fake. Fake. Because stem cells technology is still in its infancy. First of all, what is a stem cell? A stem cell in some sense is the mother of all cells. They can be altered to mutate into any of the tissues that form the human body. So, in some sense, they could be the magic bullet, by which we'll be able to cure forms of blindness and diseases and different kinds of afflictions of all the different organs of the body. But what's the catch? There's a catch. The catch is that stem cell technology is in its infancy. We really don't know what we're doing when certain people say that they can cure forms of blindness and retinal degeneration using stem cell technology? Well, if you read the fine print, if you read the fine print of these sensational claims, they usually say, ultimately, that this technology is experimental. Experimental. And you're basically putting your body in... Else's hands, because the technology I think is not ready for prime time. That's why there have been a number of lawsuits. For example, macular degeneration is an affliction of the eye that that deals with older individuals with eye problems. One individual took the stem cell treatment and became blind. Not just having fuzzy eyesight with macular degeneration. You can live with that. This person became blind because of the misuse of stem cell technology. And when this person tried to sue the company, well, the company had a contract. The fine print said it's experimental and not approved, in fact, by the FDA. And so uh, a word to the wise, And that is that, yes, we are making enormous breakthroughs in genomics, incredible breakthroughs in genetics. We're learning more about the genes. We are, in fact, curing some genetic diseases. But don't believe the hype. Check it out. And you may find, much to your shock, that it's an experimental technology. Well, let's take a short commercial break, and after the break, we're going to ask questions like, which do I prefer, Star Wars or Star Trek? And what about crop circles and alien abductions? We'll talk about those after the break. Give us a call at 612-564-8135.
7: GCNfood.com
9: Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust?
1: Fantastic!
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. In this hour, we're talking about science. Give us a call if you have a question about science. The number to call is 612-564-8135. Or, if you're shy, send me an email question. And in this hour, I'm answering some of the tons of questions that I get on email. One question I get, believe it or not, is a question that asks whether I like Star Wars or Star Trek better. Which do I prefer and why? Well, to be frank, I I love both of them. I've watched all the Star Treks and all the Star Wars. Sad to say, when people, when Trekkies get together and talk about a certain episode, I know exactly what they're talking about. But I like them for different reasons, okay? First of all, I like Star Wars for the special effects and also for the fact that it brings back memories of when I was a child watching Saturday morning television when they replayed the old Buster Crab, Flash Gordon series. I mean, I was hooked. Back then, when I was a kid, I was already on the road to becoming a physicist. I was already reading the books about Albert Einstein and the fact that he couldn't finish his greatest theory, the unified field theory. And even as a child, I said to myself, that's for me. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to complete Einstein's dream of a theory of everything, a unified field theory. But on Saturday mornings, I used to watch television And they would replay the old Buster Crab series from the 1930s. And I was hooked. I mean, ray guns, space monsters, invisibility, starships. What's not there to love? And another young boy was also watching the Flash Gordon series, who had a name, George Lucas. And he said to himself, quote, After Vietnam, I wanted Flash Gordon. And in one phrase... That phrase from George Lucas summarizes the essence of Star Wars. Quote After Vietnam, I wanted Flash Gordon. And scene for scene, you can see a parallel between the old Flash Gordon Buster Crab series and Star Wars. Cities in the sky, underwater cities, starships, people with wings. I mean, all the kinds of things that you see in Flash Gordon eventually wound up in Star Wars. And so I think that, as a consequence, when I watch the Star Wars series, I say to myself, gee, I've seen that before. The city in the sky, the underwater cities. Yes, I've seen all that before in Star Wars. So for special effects and nostalgia, I like the Star Wars series. However, to think about the potential problems of the future... I like to watch Star Trek, because some episodes of Star Trek really make you think. It's not just shoot 'em up and laser gun battles. No, it asks social questions that have no answer at the previous time. For example, here's an episode that I like, which really makes you think about things. In the future the Starship Enterprise, picks up a space capsule with the frozen bodies of people with fatal illnesses, people that were frozen in the 20th century, hoping to be cured when their spaceship is picked up by a Starship of the future. Well, their wish is fulfilled. These people were doomed to die. They had fatal illnesses in the 20th century, but in the 23rd century, we can cure these diseases. And so the crew of the Enterprise picks up the bodies and cures them and thaws them out using 23rd century technology. And one of the people that were thawed out is a former investor. And the first thing he wants to know is, what year is this? And second, how does he communicate with Earth to find out the status of of his investments? When he realizes that he's in the 23rd century, he says to himself, I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich beyond human imagination. All my investments are worth a ton of money. Give me my stockbroker. (laughs) Give me my banker. And he talks to the crew of the Enterprise about money, about the fact that he's a rich man in the future. Well, the crew of the Enterprise stare at him. And they more or less say to him, What is money? You see, in the future, if you want something, you simply ask for it. They have replicators. There is no money in the future. And then you really begin to think, What? A future without money? You just ask for things and it happens? It really makes you think, doesn't it? Well, let's take a short commercial break. The number to call is 612. 612- Five six four eight one three five. Give us a call and ask a question.
10: I need help with my taxes. Where can I find free tax help? If you make
1: $54,000 a year or less, you can participate in the IRS Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, VITA, or the Tax Counseling for the Elderly, TCE, programs. IRS-certified volunteers provide free basic tax prep for low-to-moderate income taxpayers. The TCE program is specifically for taxpayers age 60 and older. Go to irs.gov and enter Free Tax Prep in the search box to find a VITA or TCE site near you.
8: No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects, big
4: or small, make the call to 811, brought to you by Common Ground Alliance
1: Brought to you by Professor Michio Kaku, this is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. In this hour, we're answering your questions. Your questions that you emailed me. I should also point out that you can have your voice heard on national radio if you call the following number, 612-564-8135. You'll get a recording. Leave your name call letters of the radio station you're listening to and the city you're calling from and ask that question. Make that comment that you've always wanted to ask to a scientist. Because why should we scientists have all the fun? We have all the fun probing the mysteries of Mother Nature. Why can't you? You can get to the phones and call 612-564-8135 or... You can go to my website, mkaku.org. Michio Kaku is my Facebook site. We have 3 million fans on Facebook. And give us a call and find out what all the excitement is about. Well, in this hour, I'm answering a lot of the email questions that I get. One persistent question that I get is, which do I prefer, Star Wars or Star Trek? Well, let me say that I love Star Wars because I love the special effects. And I love the fact that it is based on a series that I watched as a child, Flash Gordon. And scene for scene, I see things that remind me of what it was like to be a child watching Flash Gordon for the first time. But Star Trek is different. You see, Gene Roddenberry tried to use Star Trek as a forum to talk about social issues, ethical issues, philosophical issues. If you watch an episode of uh, Star Trek, you realize that, my God, there are a lot of social questions that are asked in that program that are relevant today and, of course, relevant in the future. So I like both series, and I like both series also because they're set in two different time eras. Star Trek is set in the 23rd century. Star Wars, of course, takes place in a galaxy far away, long, long ago. But if we were to superimpose that galaxy onto our galaxy, it would be perhaps thousands of years into the future, when we can zip across the entire galaxy in the blink of an eye. They can't do that on Star Trek, by the way. So, Star Wars is perhaps a Type 3 civilization, a galactic civilization, while Star Trek is only type 2. That is stellar, only capable of going between a few stars and colonizing a few planets in the galaxy. And then another question I get often is the movies. Which movies do I like that are science fiction movies? And as a physicist, do you cringe when you see these movies? Well, the answer is yes. Whenever I see a science fiction movie, I cringe because the science is often upside down, backwards, and inside out. For example, I saw the movie Gravity. Great movie, by the way. I highly recommend you see it. But Gravity uh, traces the life of a person who goes between different space stations. And if you simply do the math, you find out that it is physically impossible for, to her, for her to go between the, the three different space stations in the movie. Not possible. However, am I going to beef about that? Am I going to complain that they got the laws of physics wrong? No. It's entertainment. So my physicist friends who cringe when they see movies like Gravity, I tell them, loosen up. I mean, come on, it's only a movie, for God's sake. Enjoy it, because these movies will eventually inspire young people to become scientists. For example, look at Edwin Hubble. The Hubble Space Telescope was named after him. He was the greatest astronomer of the 20th century. He was the one who found the expanding universe. And how did he become an astronomer? He was actually a country lawyer, but as a child, he read Jules Verne, and he was hooked. He gave up his career as being a country lawyer, went to the University of Chicago, got a Ph.D., and went on to discover the expanding universe. So you see, movies do more than just entertain. They also inspire people to reach for the stars. Another person is Robert Goddard. Father of the liquid-fueled rocket. The V-2 rocket, perfected by the Germans, was a copy of his earlier rocket. And how did Mr. Goddard get into creating these rockets? Because when he was a child, he read War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, and he was hooked. His goal in life, he said, was to build the rockets that would take us to Mars. That's why he created the rocket program of today. And so I think that, yes, when we scientists watch science fiction movies, we cringe. But we realize there's a higher calling. These movies inspire young people to get interested in science or to become a scientist. But then the next question I get is, well, yes, yes, that's all true. But which movies do you actually like and why? Well, one movie that I like is Blade Runner. Blade Runner, because it's not just a robot movie where one robot kills another robot and, wow, isn't that great? No, it makes you think. You see, the whole essence of Blade Runner is the difference between a human and a machine that acts and is indistinguishable from a human. How can you tell the difference? And then at the end of the movie, we have Harrison Ford, who goes out and kills renegade robots for a living... He is a Blade Runner, and at the end of the movie, you begin to ask a simple question. Is he also a robot? You begin to wonder, wow, what is the difference between a human and a robot once the robots can act human. Well, once again, this has been Science Fantastic. Every week, every week you can tune into Science Fantastic and go to the very cutting edge of science or you can drop us a line or ask me a question. The number to call is 612-564-8135. Call that number. And maybe you can get on Science Fantastic or drop me a line. My email address is mkaku.org, M-K-A-K-U
10: Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you?